Welcome to The Swolistic Show. I'm your host, Jesse Lockhart, a realtor turned holistic fitness coach and personal trainer. I transformed my mind, my body, and my business in two years by combining holistic-based practices with strength training. And now I'm here to help you do the same thing. Get ready to hear inspirational stories and actionable advice to start living your own swolistic life. Now let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to the Swolistic Show, my friend. I am so happy that you are tuning in to the show today. I am really excited about this episode. I know I say that about every single one, but I just am. I mean, is it a crime to be excited to share each podcast episode with you? <laughs> probably not. So I'm just probably going to end up saying I'm excited every single time I open up an episode. But today we are actually going to be talking about your blood sugar. This is actually a health topic that I am learning more and more about through my own journey as well as implementing with my clients. And it just seemed like a great time to bring this topic to the podcast. So I want to preface this show by saying a lot of the information that I'm going to talk about today is from the book Glucose Revolution by author Jesse, and I do not know how to pronounce her last name, but it is called The Glucose Revolution. And I read it within the last few months, and it was truly mind-blowing. And it's actually such a mind-blowing and such a crucial topic for overall health and wellness that I am going to start implementing these measures into my own coaching practice. Like, that's how impactful it is. And that's honestly the cool thing about being on a health journey is when you learn new information, you can start to implement new information. So, yeah, a lot of the information here is from that book. I highly, highly recommend that you check it out. But we are going to dive right into it. So, blood sugar and glucose are kind of the same thing-ish, but I'm mostly going to be talking about like glucose in that way. So what is glucose? It is the simplest type of carbohydrate or carb, making it a monosaccharide, meaning one sugar. So carbs are considered either simple or complex based on how the body digests the sugar. So along with fat and protein, glucose is one of the body's primary fuel sources. So that's really all you need to know is that it's our one of our body's primary fuel sources. Now, you can further break glucose down into different types or siblings, if you will. So imagine that glucose is kind of at the top of there uh, in an umbrella type of term. And then there are three different types of glucose, which are starch, sugar, and fiber. So most of us are pretty familiar with those terms. We know that foods like potatoes are starchy. We know that foods like fruits are sugary. And we know that foods like vegetables have a lot of fiber in them. So all of these types of glucose belong to the same family, carbohydrates. So potatoes, fruits, and vegetables are all carbohydrates. This begs the question, like, why do we eat so much glucose now in 2023? And the truth is that our grocery store shelves are 
just packed with processed foods that primarily contain starches and sugars. So fiber is often removed from processed foods because it doesn't preserve very well, which of course is not ideal for a boxed food product on a shelf because we don't know, you know, from the time that this product is created to it's shipped, stocked, and sold and consumed, we have no idea what that timeline looks like. And so food companies will remove fiber from those food products because it just doesn't preserve very well. I mean, that's why vegetables go bad a lot quicker than boxed foods in your pantry. And the other thing to note is that the sweetness of processed foods is also increased to encourage consumers to purchase them. So this is something that is a huge problem in the United States, and and most people know this. But if you don't know this, prepare to have your mind blown, but there is so much sugar in everything in the United States. They add sugar to ketchup, to barbecue sauce, to cereals, to boxed food products like we're just talking about. And the reason why we like sweets so much is because the taste of sweetness was a sign in the Stone Age that a particular food was safe to eat and packed with energy. And so when food wasn't easy to find, it was an advantage to eat all of the fruit available or the sweetness available. So we evolved to feel pleasure when we taste something sweet. So when we eat sweets, dopamine is released into our brain, which is a happy chemical, and we can honestly never get enough of it. There have been studies done with rats and uh, animals where they will push a button to receive that dopamine hit over and over and over again until they basically die of starvation. So that's why we like sweets so much. So the fact that all of our food is processed and packaged with sweetness makes it harder to switch to other options. So if you go from drinking like a uh, I'm I'm going off the cuff here a little bit. The example that honestly comes to mind for me is When I decided to change the pre-workout that I consumed before I went to the gym, I went from a very artificially sweetened pre-workout with artificial flavors, artificial sweeteners, and things like that, really like chemically engineered to taste good type of pre-workout. I went from that to a very natural, no sugar added, no artificial sweeteners, you know, no junk basically type of pre-workout. And it was a huge change. I remember trying the, you know, better option pre-workout and it tasted so gross because it was like I was expecting the pre-workout that I used to take, the super, super sweetened one. And so the flavors were so different. And so it's no wonder that when we try to make changes to go to a less sweetened product or a healthier option that we're immediately thrown off because we were expecting the different sweetness. So really what you need to know from here is we eat so much glucose because our grocery store shelves are packed with it. Processed foods remove fiber and they up the sugar content so that we get addicted and buy them. That's what you need to take away from that portion. So now I want to talk about how we measure glucose in the body and ultimately what our our goal should be when it comes to glucose. So the ADA 
American Diabetes Association, states that our glucose levels shouldn't increase above 140 milligrams per deciliter. Now, most of us are not wearing glucose monitors. I actually looked into it. It's hella expensive. So, I don't have, you know, any concrete data to pull or whatever, but basically this is how we measure glucose in the body is milligrams per deciliter. So the ADA says that our glucose levels shouldn't increase above 140 after eating. So that's what they deem normal, quotes normal, but it's not necessarily optimal. There have been studies that have given much more precise information and state that we should avoid increasing our glucose levels by more than 30 milligrams per deciliter after eating. So basically, whatever your, let's say, fasting glucose level is, so you wake up first thing in the morning, you haven't eaten, whatever that number is, ideally, you don't want to raise it by more than 30 milligrams per deciliter after eating, whatever the starting point is. So ultimately... The goal is to avoid major spikes. So maybe you go from 100 to 180 because of a breakfast that you eat. Uh, Obviously, that's more than 30. And we want to try and level that out. And so imagine a graph, if you will, and you have this squiggly line that has super high peaks and super low lows, super high peaks. I mean, it's a roller coaster, basically. You end up on a blood sugar roller coaster during the day. So the goal is to try and level out those curves as much as possible. So the reason why is because over years and years of those repeated daily spikes, they slowly start to increase our fasting glucose level and that can ultimately cause you to become metabolically unhealthy, also lead to diabetes and and other types of, you know, chronic illnesses. So, by taking control of our blood sugar and trying to level out those spikes as much as possible, you're then able to, you know, reverse those effects and and just overall feel a lot better during the day. So this analogy that I'm going to share with you, I actually pulled directly from the book because I thought it was told in such a great way. But basically, I'm going to explain to you how glucose works. So Glucose's primary biological purpose, once it enters a cell, is to be turned into energy. And so your cell's mitochondria, remember powerhouse of the cell from like sixth grade chemistry class, (laughs) your cell's mitochondria is responsible for this process. So they use glucose and oxygen to create the chemical version of electricity to power the cell. So our cells need energy, Glucose is where they get it from combined with oxygen. So to understand how mitochondria respond to a glucose spike, uh, this is the analogy from the Glucose Revolution book that I want to share with you. So every steam train engine, imagine a steam train engine, they enlist a specific person to be what's called the stoker. Now their job is to shovel coal onto the fire to generate the steam that pushes the pistons and makes the wheels of the train turn. They are, in a sense, the mitochondria of the train. So throughout the day, as the train speeds along the tracks, coal is delivered to the stoker. They place it by the furnace and then shovel it into the flames at a steady pace to fuel the process that moves the train. So the raw material is converted to energy, and when the stock is used up, another batch is promptly supplied. 
So now imagine that a few minutes after a delivery of coal, there's another batch that gets dropped off. The stoker thinks, well, it's a little bit early, but at least I'll have some extra. So the stoker sets it aside next to the furnace. But another few minutes pass by and there's another coal delivery. The stoker says, I don't need all of this, but he's told that it's his job to burn it and is given no other explanation. All day long, delivery after delivery, unnecessary coal is stuffed into the cabin. The coal being delivered is way more than what is actually needed, and it doesn't take long for the coal to end up stacked wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling. The stoker can barely move and, like, literally cannot even shovel any more coal onto the fire because there's too much in the way and eventually the train stops. So, our mitochondria feel the same way when we give them more glucose than what they need. They can really only burn as much glucose as the cell needs for energy, no more than that. So, when we spike, we deliver glucose to our cells too quickly. The speed at which it's delivered is the issue because too much at once can cause problems. And those problems look like free radicals, oxidative stress, glycation, inflammation, and insulin resistance. Those are all problems that come about because of repeated glucose spikes and excess glucose in the body. So, What I think is really cool about the book Glucose Revolution is that she not only explains like what blood sugar is and glucose, obviously like that train analogy is really genius. She also provides a few food hacks that you can start implementing to help reduce the size and frequency of your blood sugar spikes. So I'm going to share just a handful of them. Again, go to the book if you want a deeper you know, if you want a deeper dive into this. So, I'm just going to share a few of them here. The first one is to eat foods in the right order. So, our body processes food in a first-in, first-out system. What that means is what you get, what you eat first gets processed the most quickly. So, to really, like, create efficiency through this process, what you want to do is eat your vegetables first, your proteins and fats second, and your carbohydrates last. So, eating your foods in this order is going to greatly slow down the speed at which glucose enters the bloodstream, which then flattens the glucose spike associated with that meal. Now, the second hack is to add a green starter to your meals. This is where you add another dish to the beginning of your meals in the form of green vegetables. So, it can be broccoli, Brussels sprouts, it can be a a green salad, it can be cucumbers, but ultimately this helps you not only get more of your daily fiber needs, but fiber also fuels the good bacteria in your gut, it strengthens your microbiome, it lowers your cholesterol levels, and just makes sure everything runs smoothly. Fiber does not get broken down in the body, and so it basically acts as a pushing mechanism to help you excrete poop. Let's just say it. (laughs) The other thing about fiber is that it also creates a mesh inside of your intestine, which slows down and reduces the absorption of molecules from food, aka it helps curb those glucose spikes. Next hack is to flatten your breakfast curve. And this is something that I 
like preach to my clients because it's a huge, huge problem, especially in the U.S., but highly marketed breakfast foods such as cereal, toast and jam, croissants, granola, pastries, oats, biscuits, Pop-Tarts, etc., you name it, all of those contain insane amounts of glucose and fructose with little to no fiber or protein content. And so when we eat these foods first thing in the morning, especially in a fasted state, we trigger a huge glucose spike that we don't feel until hours later when we crash or we feel super hungry again. So instead, opt for a savory breakfast, which contains a good amount of protein, fiber, fat, and an optional starch or fruit, which is eaten last, going back to the first hack. Like, you guys, I used to deal with this all the time. I was 100% the girl that would have toast or pancakes or Pop-Tarts. Like, oh my god, did I eat my weight probably in brown sugar cinnamon Pop-Tarts? And it just created this huge problem, um, you know, spiking and things like that. And another thing that I tell my clients is to front load your protein at the beginning of the day because then that helps you not only curb a blood sugar spike, but it helps keep you fuller longer so you're not feeling like you need to snack every, every hour or something. So instead of a carbohydrate-filled breakfast, aim for something savory. Now, moving on to the next hack, move after you eat. So, here's the deal. The more that our muscles contract, the more energy and glucose that they need. The process of creating energy from glucose to fuel our cells is called ATP. Now, going back to the steam train analogy, when we move our body after eating, we basically make the fire in the engine hotter and the stoker starts shoveling coal at a greater speed. And instead of accumulating, the extra coal or glucose is used up. And so we don't have excess floating around in our body causing problems. So this is why moving after you eat is such a good thing for you. You can actually work out at any time up to 70 minutes after eating to curb a glucose spike. And this is really cool. Resistance training, aka strength training, has been shown to decrease the glucose spike by up to 30%. So that's immediately after you eat. And it also reduces the size of further spikes over the following 24 hours by 35%. So take me, for example, I worked out this morning. I lifted weights this morning. Not only, I mean, I worked out fasted, so that one doesn't really count, but (laughs) uh, that workout helped curb my breakfast that I had later. It's going to help curb the lunch that I'm going to eat later, my dinner that I'm going to eat later, up to 24 hours after by 35%. Yet, like, another reason why strength training and resistance training is so necessary and so cool. Like, ladies, pick up the weights. Pick up the weights. (laughs) Okay, now the last hack that I am going to share is putting clothes, quote, clothes on your carbs. Basically, what that means is that instead of letting your carbs run around naked or aka on their own, Put some clothes on them by combining them with fat, protein, or fiber. So eating carbohydrates 
alone isn't just bad for our glucose levels, it also wreaks havoc on our hunger hormones, and so we go from feeling full to being hungry again very, very quickly. So this hack is really good for the person on the go if you're on a road trip or whatever. If you're eating carbs on their own, bread, corn, pasta, rice, tortillas, cake, candy bars, cereal, cookies, crackers, fruit, granola, ice cream, etc., combine them with a fiber, fat, and or protein. So any vegetable, avocado, beans, butter, cheese, cream, eggs, fish, Greek yogurt, meat, nuts, or seeds. So instead of like at the gas station, they sell vegetables, right? They may not look that great, but they sell vegetables. Maybe instead of grabbing a bag of chips, the gas station, you can grab the vegetables and like some pretzels. Eat the vegetables before you eat the pretzels or get like some hummus and vegetables or I don't know. I'm just speaking off the cuff here, but basically don't just go straight for the carbs because they're going to cause more problems. (laughs) Do whatever you can to combine it with a fiber, fat, or a protein. Those are the hacks that I am sharing with you today. Hopefully from this episode, you're walking away understanding how significant glucose and blood sugar have on your overall health, honestly, even at a cellular level. But this is not something that's addressed in typical fitness or health programs, or most people are not coached on it. Like, I am 29 years old and I just learned about this within the last few months. So please don't kick yourself for not knowing. You don't know what you don't know, but now that you know, you can do better. So hopefully you're walking away from this podcast feeling empowered to start improving your blood sugar and glucose levels. I honestly, again, cannot recommend the book Glucose Revolution enough and make sure that you're following the author at Glucose Goddess on Instagram because she shares a lot of great information over there as well. Thank you so much for being here today, my friend. Always remember that you deserve to make yourself a priority. Talk to you next week. Thank you for spending your time with me today. I appreciate you so much. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and leave us a rating or review to help others find the show. To learn more about working with me or joining the Swolistic community, head over to my Instagram at Lockhart, where you'll find my programs and pricing in the highlight bubbles. I hope you have the best day ever and I'll chat with you next week.